This is an interview with Giveth on Sunday, November 21st, 2021 by Nick Perkel. Now, Jessica, when you and Ben decided to create your new project, Giveth, was there a shared love of movie soundtracks or artwork that drew you both to work on a dark pop sound? Yeah, you know, Ben and I don't necessarily have a specific soundtrack or art piece that drew us together, but we're both lovers of soundtracks in general. Really with this whole project, we were trying to merge the visual side of things, so like movies and film, using that as inspiration for the music. So actually a lot of the songs were written after we would watch a film or hear a score. We would go down to the basement, work on music, and this is kind of what came out of that. Yeah, and uh, what I would like to add to that, too, is that even though the songs on this album aren't explicitly movie score style songs, obviously you picked up on the influence there. Uh, but I will say that, at least when I speak for myself, probably about 60 to 70 percent of the music that I listen to, like on a day to day basis, is like film scores and soundtracks and things, things like that. In 2021, with the pandemic still raging on, how do you get some real traction and publicity for your first single, 1992? <laughs> well, that is the question of the hour right there. Um, I think what's interesting about the music industry right now is just that there's not really a formula, or if there was a formula, it's sort of been dismantled um, with just the, the world events that have happened. So Ben and I coming into this project, we really decided rather than going the traditional route of, you know, putting out a bunch of promotion ahead of time or putting out, you know, an EP or something smaller, we just wanted to grow this project organically. And we thought what better way than to just write a bunch of music and have our first release be an album and just let that organically grow. So it's been slow going for us, uh, but we feel that everyone that has had a chance to listen to the music has really truly fallen in love. It's not just, um, I don't know, it's just less formulaic and more real organic interaction. Yeah. And as far as uh, press and publicity and things like that are concerned, I think that, uh, Nick, I think this is, I think this is actually our first uh, piece of press that we've actually officially done for the record, <laughs> this, this interview right now. For the uh, song 1992, what was your inspiration for that? Yeah, so um, I was born in the year 1992, uh, not to give my age away here, but I always wanted to write a song about my birth year. I think birth years are kind of sacred in some way, uh, but the song also deals a lot with anxiety in the lyrics, and I was a performer as a kid, but I think a lot of people that are performers would attest to this, that with performance comes a lot of anxiety, and so the lyrics in the song really deal with that sort of, um, I don't know, just dealing with panic attacks as a kid or not wanting to leave my mom's side or just being afraid to put myself out there. And I think that um, the song is kind of saying like, birth year is great, like you're coming into an existence, but you're also sort of dying and like you're a little bit of a slave to the anxieties that go with being a human. So thinking about that, um, were you involved with anything like private tutors music schools or conservatories when you were younger? Um, I actually never took any voice lessons growing up, but I did grow up with two sisters and we all sang the three of us together. So we would sing for different 
events in Omaha, Nebraska, where I'm from originally. And I feel like that in and of itself was sort of like private tutoring with music. When you have two sisters that sing, my mom's also a singer. We would do crazy three-part, four-part harmony. We'd jam in the basement, play different instruments. Um, that's really where I sort of grew my love for music and figured out uh, that I wanted to do it. For each of you, what are some of your all-time favorite soundtracks and songs? Um, <clears throat> so what I've been like really, really digging hard lately is um, Colin Stetson's work. Who I don't know if you're familiar with him, but he, I guess, rose to prominence, so to speak, because he, he did the uh, Hereditary score. Um, and he's actually primarily a saxophonist. And I think it's just really interesting what he can do with the saxophone. He can make it sound really otherworldly. And actually, what I thought I was hearing on the Hereditary score is throat singing, like, like Tuvan throat singing was actually saxophone. And um, he also, he has a number of albums that he's released, like a, as uh, just solo albums, like not related to films. And he's scored a whole bunch of films and I've been listening to like a lot of his material lately. So that's definitely been super inspirational for me at least. Yeah. And um, just thinking about myself with soundtracks, one of my favorite soundtracks is for the film It Follows, which came out a couple years ago, but um, I had to look up the artist's name here on my phone as we're sitting here, but I think it's Disasterpiece is the name of the composer for all the music of the film. Uh, but to me, it's such a great score because it's got many elements that are minimalistic, but the moments when it comes in strong, it really makes you feel something. And there's, you know, an electronic element, but also like sort of an industrial element to the soundtrack, which I think is really cool. Yeah, and we're also both big fans of Hans Zimmer, obviously. Of course. Uh, I mean, he's got, like, a, a pretty vast catalog. Some of it is more innovative than others. Uh, I mean, the man gets a lot of work. <clears throat> you know, he knows what makes people feel things, and sometimes he does reuse some of that. But stuff that he's done, like the... Um, like the Blade Runner 2049 soundtrack, like, that's a little bit more synth-oriented... I think is super cool and also like a number of other uh, works that he's done as well. Yeah. And I'll shout out one more. Mr. Danny Elfman, I think is also great in the world of soundtracks because he's just got this quirky side to him. He's like, you know, I can see why he works with Tim Burton a lot because he's like the Tim Burton of soundtracks. So that's yeah. kind of a little random sampler of what we're into lately. Boingo, boingo. <laughs> boingo, boingo. I, I saw them live in Los Angeles and, just for a few songs they played. It was very cool. <laughs> for these songs, can you tell me about the first one you wrote together? And was that any different than the rest of the pieces on the album? Um, Spectre of the Wasteland was the first song that we wrote together. And a funny little tidbit about that song is I was down in the basement and I, I was listening to Slipknot. <laughs> and then I turned the music off and I sat down and started playing guitar and just from memory was trying to play some Slipknot song. And in butchering it, I think is how I ended up coming up with the riff for that. And uh, yeah, I mean, pretty much, you know, I recorded that onto my phone and then Jess basically wrote the entire song around that riff. Um, and as far as like, is it different from the other songs on the album? Yeah, I, I guess it is a little bit. I mean, it's one of the more like metal sounding songs. Um, I suppose the song Trash Town could also be considered metal, but um yeah, and I think um, what was cool about Spectre of the Wasteland was that 
Ben and I went into this project, you know, we're, we're in the pandemic. Both of us are musicians. We both have our own musical projects. I come from a very synth heavy world. Ben's coming more from the rock side of things, but we, we really meet in the middle with a lot of the artists that we truly like and listen to. And we're in this pandemic, just like, you know, we should write music together, but we're dating. We don't want to put pressure on trying to create something if that's not what's supposed to happen. But we had enough time that we decided to just casually give it a go. And <clears throat> I think what's cool about Spectre of the Wasteland is it was sort of that like gateway into our sound. And really what's what it set into motion was the foundation for how we write, which is a lot of back and forth. One of us will kind of start on something and then pass it to the other person and that person works on it for a while. So it's not like we're in a room writing together. We're kind of going back and forth and we alternate, you know, who starts different songs. And it was just cool to see that that worked with Spectre of the Wasteland. And we really created a lot of the other songs with that same formula. Yeah. And I was actually just talking to some friends earlier today. They were like, so what's it like, like writing songs with your girlfriend and like being creative with your girlfriend? Like I've tried that before and it didn't really work out. And I was like, well, we're able to do it pretty much like Jess just said, by essentially not working on something at the same time. It's basically like one of us will take the laptop for five hours and then we pass it off. And then the other person takes the laptop for five hours and then eventually the song is done. <clears throat> I noticed you got the Lost Boys song on there. Just wondering, how much were you listening to Cry Little Sister as you were composing that? Honestly, I love that song, and Lost Boys is just one of my favorite films of all time. I did a podcast recently talking about the film in depth. I love that film. I love vampires. And really, I mean, I've listened to that song a lot, so it probably seeped into my head to some degree. But what's actually unique about the song Lost Boys from all the other songs on, well, I shouldn't say all the other songs, from most of the other songs, is that I wrote that song um, just literally sitting in bed with no instruments, no um, nothing. I just heard it in my head. I heard this weird dark gothic thing and I was thinking about the Lost Boys being on the beach riding in their motorcycles being badasses and um, I'm sure Cry a Little Sister was in there somewhere but yeah that song was actually kind of written a little bit on the acapella side. Yeah if I'm not mistaken Jessica I think you basically improvised the melody to that song didn't you? Yeah so there's kind of a cool story with that um we had been working on the song a little bit and Ben had finished up some drum stuff down in our basement setup. And <clears throat> I went in to lay down the vocals that I had been hearing in my head and didn't even know that a microphone was on. I had GarageBand open up, which is what we use a lot for making demos. And I just heard my voice and I'm like, what, how am I hearing my voice right now? And there was a drum mic that was still on and it was super like, delayed and reverbed out and sounded really distant and like something eerie in the distance. And I just started, I just hit the track and I pressed record and I just sang. And basically what I sang the first time through ended up being exactly what I used for the vocal melodies. I mean, I re-recorded it in the studio, but yeah, it just was one of those things that was sort of in tucked into my brain. And actually I have a, I have a question for you, Nick, uh, in What's regards to in the regards to the cry little sister thing, did, did you actually hear, like, is there a similarity that you heard between our song and that song? Um, maybe a little bit, but I'm just thinking like, that's just one of those things you instantly think of with the original 
Lost Boys movie. So I, it just, I had yeah. to bring it up. Yeah, no, totally. I mean, I think it's a great question as always. I was just, but like when, when you mentioned it, I was like, oh wait, you know, like, were we like subconsciously influenced by that? I didn't even realize, like it makes, it makes perfect sense. And of course, another thing that you always instantly think of when you think of the Lost Boys movie is Tim Capello as well, the sexy sax man. The true original sexy sax man glistening on the beach. That's right. And and personally, like uh, Xing out the Lost Boys movies, what are each of your favorite vampire movies? You know what movie just popped into my head that I used to love when I was a kid is John Carpenter's Vampires. I haven't seen that movie in probably 15 years, but I used to love that movie and I would love to watch it again. Have you ever seen that movie? I have not seen that movie. That's a good movie. I think Billy Baldwin is in that. Mm. James Woods. (laughs) What a cast. Dude, I was instantly going to bring that up to you after you said, after I asked that. It's just like, for real, I remember staying home from school one day. And just, like, getting to watch that movie on HBO or something. It was just so awesome. I mean, still, <laughs> even to this day, it's – I think it's probably one of the last truly, truly badass vampire movies. Right? Yeah. I want to revisit that. We should watch that soon. Yeah. We'll have to put that on our movie-watching list. Things to see. <laughs> what about Near Dark? Did you care for that one? Is that – um, what's his name? Uh, is that a – who did Hellraiser? Clive Barker. Is that Clive Barker? I don't believe that's a Clive Barker film. It was like from 85 or 86. Bill Bill Pullman? Bill Pullman, right? Yeah, Bill I believe so. Wait, I, I can never remember the difference. I think anyway. Lance Henriksen from uh, Texas Chainsaw Massacre is in there. Yeah. I, I, I know what you're talking about, but I don't believe I've ever seen that movie. <clears throat> so I'll add that, I'll add that to the must-see list. <laughs> Now, for Alien Brain, on the soundtrack for uh, the Designed to Kill themed art film, what were your favorite memories of composing that song? Um, Yeah, I think one of the the things I love about the song Alien Brain is um, when I went to write the lyrics for that song specifically, I had this, there's this picture on, if you search on Google, if you're looking up like retro futurism or vintage futurism, it's like one of the more popular images that comes up. And it's just like a little kid from probably the 1950s. And he's got these space goggles on that looks like he's just like looking into some virtual future. And I was thinking of that when I wrote the lyrics to the song, just about being sort of the product of television and how, you know, I know me personally, and probably Ben as well, grew up with just a lot of TV, a lot of movies, and just the influence that has and how it made me think, you know, how much of our mind is our mind and how much of it is a product of what we see, which is the concept of alien brain, like sort of being your own little alien. Like you don't even know who you are at the core without that because it's been so influential your whole life. So I was kind of mixing the worlds together of like this retro futurism kid with the goggles on in the 1950s, just soaking in the television and sort of trying to channel that into the song. And hopefully that came across to some degree. For the New Blood Friday the 13th fan film, uh, who's the bigger uh, Friday fan, Ben or Uh, Jessica? Ben. I I think, yeah, on a technicality, it's going to have to be me. I mean, I was not even, so for the, this is, you know, like the continuation of the storyline of the New Blood, which came out in the 80s. I was not born in the 80s. Ben was born in the 80s, so right there. But also, he is a a truer fan of just horror and probably 
that whole genre in general. Yeah. I have since become much more of a fan after getting the part in the film, but I would say Ben is the truer fan. That's accurate. <laughs> uh, either of you ever uh, go out and visit the Camp Crystal Lake location? You know, it's it's in New Jersey. Um, I've never been there. We've been close to there. I think Ben was saying though, didn't you go to summer yeah. camp there when you were a kid? So uh, when I was a when I was a young boy, uh, you know, like five five or six years ago, um, I was <clears throat> I was a Boy Scout, and um, we went and did like an overnight Boy Scout thing at Camp Nobi Bosco somewhere in New Jersey, and I remember them telling us when we were there, they were like, yeah, you know, this is like where they filmed. Friday the 13th at the at the time I was thinking like yeah you're probably just trying to freak us out but I went back and I was actually reading on Wikipedia like fairly recently turns out the first Friday the 13th movie was actually filmed at Camp Nobi Bosco in New Jersey where I went as a boy scout when I was a kid makes for some good uh campfire stories I suppose (laughs) I have fond memories of that trip just wondering what are your most cherished soundtracks in your personal collections? I mean, as far as like actual like actual physical collections, I actually went and just like took a glance at my CDs before. I have the, the Tron like the Tron soundtrack, like the Tron Legacy soundtrack by Daft Punk. That's a good one. That's in my actual physical collection. <laughs> also the uh oh the Crow soundtrack as well. Mm-hmm. With, uh, like, those, I mean, like, the standout tracks on that are obviously, like, the Nine Inch Nails and Cure songs. But it's a really good soundtrack overall. Also, I guess, um, do either of you have any cool urban legend or ghost stories that tie in to any songs you love for movies? Or maybe uh, a uh, urban legend from Nebraska? Oh, man, I wish I, I'm trying to think of if there's a good Nebraska one. But um, I will say I do love the... Stranger Things soundtrack. I think it's phenomenal. And that story, the whole Stranger Things series is based off of the Montauk project project, which takes place in Long Island or took place in Long Island back many years ago. And there was rumors of government involvement and experiments on kids in the this facility that looks like the facility in Stranger Things. So I guess there's kind of the legend of this Montauk project and that sort of being connected to the Stranger Things series and in turn the music from Stranger Things. Yeah, that's that's fair. I like that. Um, we did, however, though, I will throw this out there. We did have a song that didn't end up making it on the record about the story of Jenny Jump. Yeah, oh, that's yeah. right. Yeah, there's a campground in New Jersey called Jenny Jump. It might also be part of, like, a preserve or a reserve or something. Yeah. But there's a good local legend um, about the Jenny Jump campground, um, which, I mean, <laughs> if I try to recount it in detail, I'm probably going to botch it. But, we, yeah, we do have a song about that that was yeah. an outtake from the record. I think it's, like, a, a girl who ends up... Uh, she's being chased to some degree and her dad yells to her Jenny jump because he knows that if she's captured her purity will be defiled so she ends up jumping to her death so her purity isn't defiled so some weird legend like that and we uh we wrote a song that didn't end up making it on the record but it exists 
Yeah, that was a good song, too. It was like a little bit more of like a kind of slow core stoner rock kind of sound that um, is not really found on our on our album thus far, although we've continued to experiment with like that style of music. So maybe in the future, we'll release something that's a little bit more uh, aligned with that genre. Do you have anything else you'd like to say on any other songs? Um, I think my personal lyrical favorite is Masticate Like a Lady. And, um, you know, this is some of the first press that we've done on this record talking about it. But I love that song because um, it's sort of like my own folklore. We were talking about legends. I kind of created my own legend with that song about a woman who was once sweet, um, but now she's like a man eater. Like she, she chews and devours men. And that's her her new role. And she lives in this little winter home secluded away. Sort of like a little bit of a Red Riding Hood, but um, something also a little different than that. So I'll just throw that out there. I don't know. I think that that's a fun fact about the record. Final words. Um, final words. Um, you know, we are trying to grow this project organically. So if anyone listening enjoys the record, you can follow us on our Instagram page or our Twitter at Gibbeth Sounds. Uh, but we just really appreciate you having us here talking about our music and making our little press debut. Yeah, yeah, thanks, Nick. It's always a pleasure, and I appreciate uh, your creativity with your interview questions. Yeah, very interesting. <laughs> Thank you. Really appreciate it as well. Like, I always feel like a really good interview I have, I feel like I can actually, like, learn something from the person I speak with to try mm. to, like, put into, like, the next couple interviews or something like that. So yeah, I do appreciate cool. that too. So it's kind of like just, I have to like pay attention to everything too. But um, thanks a lot. This has been an interview with Giveth on Sunday, November 21st, 2021 by Nick Burkell.